Welcome to Vatic Mental Health and Media. I'm Rachel. This is Vaughn. Before we dive into the wonderful world of cancel culture, a public service announcement. Sometimes one has to listen to things you may disagree with. For example, I was stuck listening to a long 30-minute YouTuber talk about Frederick Nietzsche during a game review. But you know what I did? I sucked it up and I took away the good and challenged my perceptions for the things that I may not have thought all the way about. So, for all that being said, this may affect you, this may not. Who knows? Let's dive in and find out. So, cancel culture is not a new thing to the internet, but the label is sort of new within the last few years is when I noticed it popping up. And the idea is that someone who has some sort of public following for whatever reason can be canceled for something they are doing right now that's problematic or something they have ever done that's problematic. So it's one of those like phenomenons that has a place but is also a little overreaching at times um, and it can get pretty malicious when people dig up stuff from like 12 years ago and try to cancel someone and that person doesn't really seem to be like that anymore but then I also can see the place for it sometimes people are just not great public figures so in my opinion there's quite a balance to be had. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's a very interesting concept. Um, like, oh, I don't like, not necessarily I don't like, but oh, you're being malicious or rude or if you've done something really inappropriate, you don't deserve this fame or this following or my money. And so... It kind of like builds a following from there. Like, oh, we're not going to support you anymore. We're not going to listen to your music, watch your shows, on and on. Um, but I agree there is kind of like that delicate balance um, because my thought is, is like if you're a intentionally trying to dig for things that have happened 10, 12, 20, 30, whatever, how many years ago, just to cancel someone like is that really the point like is that really necessary if they're not kind of being problematic now however if they were doing it and it was kind of publicly accepted then not saying it was okay but should you really be digging up things from that long ago and how appropriate is it if it was more socially acceptable and they were kind of within the norm? Yeah, so I think that's where the line comes in with cancel culture because there's no official justice system or, I guess, levels of infraction. And you can have anything from I hate puppies to R. Kelly raping and peeing on minors. Um, and there's not really anything in between with kind of the public outrage level. I mean, especially what you said when you took... A look at the social infraction side not just the oh my god you're a monster people um i don't know i think we may have been talking about this last week i was listening to this comedian i'm 
pretty sure was Jim Jeffries. Um, and he was talking about um, how, yes, I know I got a lot of negative reviews on my fifth stand-up special for saying sexist and misogynistic jokes. But, well, I've been making those jokes for the past four specials, so I guess you guys just don't listen. <laughs> and then, in a later piece, he went on to say that, I guess, comedians, a lot of them have, I guess, feel like they have a job to walk up to the line and say what is and isn't acceptable. Um, and because of their job description, they ask questions and say opinions and jokes, even if they don't mean them. And the issue comes in with, well, let's say... We set the bar at, you can get up to a level six of questionable comments. And then five years later, you'll go back to like, you can only do a level three. And then say, hey, you said a level six comment back in the 90s. That's no, okay? And his response was like, hey, it was legal back then. You can't change the standard then go back in time and criticize me for it. Um, like, Or the, why did you say that? And he's like, well, I thought it was going to be funny. You came to my show and paid me money to hear me talk about what I think is funny and hear my opinions about stuff. I intend to make you laugh. That was my intention for saying what I did. And for me, it's just like, oh, that joke didn't land well. Whatever. Let's move on. But then other people just don't. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think that's kind of where the delicate balance comes in because you it's not fair to hold someone in the past up to the standards of the present because... We're all constantly changing, hopefully, and society as a whole is progressing from my point of view and improving in at least social matters, not necessarily every aspect of life. Um, but there, I've even had the experience where I will listen to something I thought was funny when I was in middle school or early high school, and now I find it kind of offensive. And that's because I've changed, and that's because the world around me has changed, and it's not really fair to hold someone today up to who they were in the past because all of us are probably better people than we were in the past or at least you should I, in my opinion you should assume that someone could be better than they were in the past but then I think there is that unique position that public figures are in where whatever they put out into the world even if it was 10 years ago you can watch it like in real time, like it's happening now. And for you, it is happening now. So I do think there's a level of them having to kind of speak to what they did in the past and maybe talk about why they don't think that anymore or why it's different now. But I think that only works if the audience has the grace to understand that they themselves and also the self-awareness to understand that they themselves have probably changed and have probably said things 10 years ago that they would be embarrassed of now or that would be considered wrong now. It just wasn't put on the internet. I'm thinking, I guess, as the devil's advocate and not holding people accountable for last actions, I guess getting into that line between legitimate criminal offenses and questionable moral behavior versus yes. just saying just saying comments people may find offensive. Yeah. I think that's an important distinction because there are things that people have done in the past and that are available for the public to see that were wrong and that were either illegal or um, just considered very morally wrong and that shouldn't just be forgotten about. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you have people who just made a dumb joke 10 years ago and it doesn't really have anything to do with how they think and they wouldn't make the joke now. 
and it, it kind of seems like everyone could be treated the same way in cancel culture, regardless of their offense. But like Vaughn's point, some things I think should not be forgotten about that people have done, even if it was 10 years ago. But then there are some things that I don't think hold that much weight. Of It's an example I remember from last year was the hip hop artist J. Cole. It's in last year's summer of the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests and the murder of George Floyd, a lot of different black activists had different opinions on how to do things. And while J. Cole released a song with a line that appeared to diss a female black activist whose name escapes me at the moment, but um, yes, he never confirmed or denied that, but the next thing you know, it's cancel J. Cole, he hates women. And I think it's um, a complaint about the, the woman being too loud or too intense or something like that. And next thing you know, it's like, he's misogynistic, he hates women, he's this, he's that. And as soon as I read it, I'm just like, so the hip hop community has no issue with Takashi 69 with his what? I thought she was 15 or any of the other hoes and bitches kind of stuff you hear within rap music. Um, but this is where we draw the line. And maybe it's because J. Cole holds himself to a higher standard and that's why they went after him. I don't know. But. So you're going to try to unemploy a person as well as his entire team of sound, lights, merch, marching, etc. Um, because you don't like what he said. I mean, obviously he was big enough to write it out and he still is doing stuff. But the principle people were coming from with this principle of, I don't like this thing you said. You're not allowed to work now. It's still just kind of sketchy to me. Even if people fail to actually actualize that assault, that result. Um, yeah, like Rachel said, there isn't the equal standards between what people can or can't say. I mean, I guess it does connect with the fact that at a certain level, you really can't get canceled. Um, I guess two examples are, who was that Netflix actor? Kevin Spacey. Yeah, it was Spacey. It was very interesting in where, even though he was high standing, yes, he wasn't highest, but you have one account of sexual misconduct ended up costing him his job, a fake presidency. Whereas you can have individuals with more fame, with way more accusations and evidence of sexual misconduct, and they end up in the real presidency. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> or even with Sir Kanye, um, as he's just done a lot of stuff over the years that probably would have gotten anybody else canceled and stuff that the Twitter gods are not a fan of. Um, but... With him, it seems almost to be like a administratively versus getting fired where he kind of doesn't do features with other people anymore or he kind of just stays to himself, um, keeps up with the Kardashians, <laughs> all of that. But it's kind of like, okay, let's just retire you to your special farm now um, versus anyone making really a big deal about anything that he does. Yeah, that was the other point I was going to bring up too is all of these people that are like you said, quote unquote, canceled by fans or the public or whatever, how many people actually like lose their careers or get like actually canceled in real life and have like these lasting consequences? I don't know if I can think of any specifics. I guess the first time that I've heard uh, or that I can think of anything related to cancel culture would be Chris Brown and when he 
assaulted Rihanna, I was like, oh, my God, I can't listen to his music anymore. Like, he's a terrible Mm -hmm. person, you know, for doing that. However, I think he's still around, isn't he? Probably not as famously, but... Still kicking. Yeah. And so then it's like, how... Like, there's actual proof that this happened, you know? And how effective are these cancel culture movements to ending the careers or ending of things that are actually serious? And does it have to be, like, someone that has kind of a lower status in the celebrity realm to actually have these lasting consequences versus people way up, way up high? Just off of that, I think you see the most, especially in the mental health standpoint, just how visceral things can be for minor celebrities, especially like YouTube stars, where a lot of them are in high school or early 20s. You see someone who may not have the strongest connections to the outside world, but is really plugged into their fan base. Um, And one wrong phrase and their whole community hates them. And they're losing money and now they can't pay their rent because they pay their bills through their stream revenue and their Patreon supporters. Um, Because I don't want to list names here because I feel that like at a small level, I don't want to blast people's business over the internet, even if it's public knowledge. But I just know of a number of YouTubers that come to mind who have either killed themselves or have gone into hiding and spiraled depression. Um, and it's uh, like if you don't have the money or a certain level of fame, you can just get completely wrecked. Um, I just watched a piece on cancel culture from Natalie Wynn of ContraPoints. And she had this whole diagram of how canceling works in, I guess, the modern 21st century where you have a person did X and that shifts to this person is X and then exaggerations. Uh, maybe going back to that J. Cole thing, J. Cole said a sexist comment. J. Cole is sexist. And by the time you suppress, you have this spiraling exaggeration of whatever actually happened. And even if evidence comes out to disprove that original charge of somebody said X, um, or that this never happened, 50 million people have already seen the fake thing and have cemented in their hearts with a, well, why should we believe you? You're just trying to cover your ass to wipe this thing under the rug. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, I think the way I see it is cancel culture and the toxicity of it has more to do with smaller public figures with less following, kind of like Vaughn was saying. I'm thinking more so like YouTubers and like TikTokers now, I guess, <laughs> what the kids are into. Um, yeah. And Instagram models, like that level of fame, I think people are so quick to jump on them for anything they do. But at the end of the day, how much responsibility do those people, how much responsibility should they even be expected to take on? Because they, in a lot of ways, are just like sharing their life online. They're not necessarily qualified to, I don't know, present the news or uh, they don't have the training to like act in a movie. Like what sort of um, responsibility can we expect them to take? Um, And like how much like media training are they even getting? Like I think that is where cancel culture can get really toxic. But then I think in more of the like real celebrity realm, like where you have people like Matt Lauer losing their job at the Today Show or Kevin Spacey 
was in this Netflix show, like Vaughn said, um, or certain, or um, oh, I had another example. It doesn't matter. I, I just think when the, it's more real life celebrities who I think are, should be held to a higher standard because they are, uh, they knew what they were getting into and they often have the team and the resources to act appropriately in public. And I think if they are um, misstepping significantly or like in the case of Matt Lauer, if they are, you know, sexually harassing people, um, I think then it's a positive thing for things to be taken away from them and from their um, public voice to be taken away because we should not condone something like sexual harassment or sexual assault. But then you have like the little YouTubers who were like 17 and said a bad joke and haven't really shown any other evidence that they're these horrible people. And like Vaughn said, they're just being ripped on. And that's like their whole world in many ways. And a lot of them won't go to college or you know, will really stake their career into their social media following. And it must be so scary that it could just be taken away that quickly. And also, like Vaughn was saying, with the mental health aspect, I think if you're, um, I think if you're not a high level celebrity, you are not prepared at all to handle as much hate as what normally comes when you're like canceled. And I think that's really scary and especially for young adults and teenagers like we don't want to be pushing people to the point of like suicide or even um deep depression just because we're trying to like purify the world of anything negative or because we suddenly learned that you shouldn't make a certain type of joke so then we're gonna go find a way to tear down everyone who's ever made that joke I think my first experience seeing this was back in high school. I think um, back like 50 years ago in 20 whatever. Um, one of my sister and I's favorite bands, The Paramedic, was one of the first metalcore bands that had a black vocalist. And they were really unique in that they blended the metal and screaming elements with R&B. And they were really kind of starting to pick up until the lead singer started a vlog. And on one episode, he said something that the LGBT plus community didn't like. I can't remember what exactly it was. It had something to do with transgender individuals. But it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I can logically see where you're coming from. That's your opinion. Um, you're not trying to be hateful or disrespectful. Let's just move on. And even still, by today's standards, I don't think it was that bad. But then the next thing you know, the paramedic is canceled. This guy's homophobic. This guy's transphobic. He hates everyone. And he's just like, what do you mean? I answered a question about my opinion about stuff, and I don't hate anyone. I just sing into a microphone. What, what, what's going on? Um, and the next thing you know, he gets called in, and they're saying, you're bad for PR. You're dragging the whole label down. You're fired so everyone else can continue working. So he leaves the band. But then, of course, the diversity in the R&B elements led the band as well, and it crumbles, and now nobody's ever heard of the paramedic. Um, I guess for me, it just completely blows my mind. It's like, and like yesterday, I probably spent two to three hours listening to comedians completely riff on religions, making sexist jokes, and some of them even had like rape jokes. But that was such a small minority of their entire set. And they said a lot of things that I did like and I did appreciate. So it's like, okay, you're a human being with your own experiences and values or whatever. Plus, I know you're not serious right now. At least I hope you're not. But 
there's the right of free speech. You can say whatever you want about Hindus, Christians, Muslims. I'm not going to internalize that. Let me just focus on the hour and a half of good things you do have to say. Just that low level of differentiation in people. It's just opening the door there, that lack of differentiation between the audience and the celebrity and how that impacts canceling, um, whether that relates to attachment. Is that attachment? I don't know. I think there could be a level of attachment. I think maybe it's more so identification. And I think with social media, it's easy to feel a lot closer to celebrities and public figures that you don't actually know than before because you don't just like see them on TV or in a magazine now. You can, you know, watch what they're eating for breakfast and you feel like you get to know them and their family and their pets and, you know, depending on how much they share online. And I think people really identify with public figures in a more intimate way than maybe they could in the past. And I would assume that that affects people taking things personally or in, in some things people do and say are offensive. I'm not saying no one should be offended, but uh, sometimes the anger I see, especially from like young people online when they're trying to cancel someone, it kind of seems like it's they're trying to defend themselves by distancing themselves from someone. Yeah, and I think it really points out the fact that like whatever we see of any person on social media influencer youtube celebrity anything is like what they want you to see so we don't actually know anything about them and so maybe this is just like a one-off joke or something that they thought was funny at the time that they learned was inappropriate maybe they have been changing and growing and working on that and they regret how they acted maybe they're terrible horrible people and like we don't know because all that stuff gets covered up and it's not what we see on social media and so it's really hard to uh, balance all of those aspects of it and be like oh you're canceled versus oh you apologize so now we like you again versus what does any of this even mean maybe you know they were required to say a joke along that line for the contract maybe they had to act like that in a movie or pr whatever you know it's there's so many different factors and like with that identification piece like people are identifying with what they're seeing on social media and in the news and everything and maybe they feel betrayed because what they're seeing isn't the actual person or they feel mm-hmm. stupid. I think identity has a huge place in this, especially in today's day and age with isolation and non-voluntary introversion. Um, this is such a major concept where you're just searching and scouring for a connection for that mirror. Um and wanting this to have something to hold, something to see that say, like, this is what I am, this is what I belong to, and finding other people to match into that. Um, that. I think, thinking even with a family counseling system, 
where you have the parents need to be an appropriate level of codependent and independent levels of themselves. And likewise, the children need to be a certain level of independent and their own people or else everyone's just feeding off of each other. And it's this, I identify with this person because of these values, or this is my family, and you're so enmeshed that anything one person says becomes a personal attack because you're all so connected. And it's interesting seeing a lot of that, especially in minority communities, because who knows? Maybe this blows up when we get famous. I could get canceled over this. But like in undergrad, as far as like my black friends, I only really hung out with Africans, biracial people, or second generation immigrants from maybe like the Caribbean or other countries. Um, just because within the campus's culture, a lot of the African American students had their race as their utmost thing of their identity. And it's the same thing with a lot of churches. I love Jesus cool do you garden do you watch tv what else is going on or let's let some of those introductions like hey i'm vaughn hi i'm lesbian i'm gay i'm trans whatever i was like okay good for you what does that tell you about you as a person um but even kind of panning out into the youtube realm i am a fan of insert whatever account for whatever reason and whatever you're lacking in your IRL social life, you kind of mesh yourself into this individual and online group. So if they say something you don't like, the brain can't compute. And it's just like, wait a second, I wouldn't say that, but I'm a part of them and they're a part of me. Therefore, in compute, you must apologize yeah. or yeah. you must and I think die. That's really good, Vaughn. And I think if we're thinking about it kind of in the family systems realm, that gets into emotional cutoff, which happens can happen when there's a lot of enmeshment and then one family member does something another one doesn't like or doesn't feel represents them and then there's because there's so much um enmeshment and codependency then there's this need to like shove the person away like you're it's like the response has to be as extreme as the attachment was in the first place i think that applies here because if you are if you're making fan accounts for like say a youtuber and you buy their merch and you tell everyone to watch them and you're the first to comment on their videos and you're just so obsessed with them that doesn't have to be a bad thing but if you're not able to differentiate yourself from them and then they do something wrong or they get canceled or they do something you don't like then i think especially if you're young and not fully developed um mentally and emotionally then i think there's need to just shove them away and just overreact from an outside perspective and really freak out because there wasn't a healthy boundary there even though when you're following someone online it's a one-sided situation still in yourself you need to have enough self-worth and enough personal identity to be able to see yourself as separate from the things that you like and the people you follow and your family members and et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. The question I have is when people are like pushing and shoving and doing all this stuff, like the emotional cutoff, like you were saying, what are they trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. Like, are they trying to make themselves feel better or are they trying to hold the person accountable for their actions? I said it depends on what you mean by held accountable. As with canceling, it's strictly held within the camp of punitive justice versus education and reintegration to society. 
kind of like a group that's like, oh, you stole this loaf of bread. Let's cut your hand off versus a, hey, maybe let's figure out yeah. why they stole and help change their situation. So for people who say, oh, you made a racist comment. You should be hated in society forever and never be able to work again. Um, with that level of backlash and impossibility of redemption, it seems like no one is actually cares about this individual's racism. Um, so one of the things I've been kind of wondering about with... I guess is the comedian Louis C.K. who got canceled when he confessed to masturbating in front of women. And that's been three or four years ago. And he did a formal apology on that. Maybe he meant it, maybe he didn't. But and now right. he's doing smaller right. shows and he's yeah. talks about the event. It's in the context of like, here are my mistakes. Don't do what I did, men. Here's what I learned from this experience. Um, <laughs> but still, you're not even kind of allowed to say his name. Or if someone says, like, yeah, I really love this point Louis C.K. made, like, 10 years ago about insert some political issue. And even if it's a good point, you can't say that. Um, it's like, you can't say that. He did that thing four years ago. Remember with the masturbating and the women? Um, and I guess for me, it's just this weird thing where it's like, I'm not a god. I don't have this supernatural ability to read into his heart and mind. But, like, if canceling was, hey, everyone on the internet, let's not watch Louis stuff and boycott him until he checks them into a proper sex education facility. And maybe we can have a panel where he stands before the women he offended against and directly answers to each of them. And there's just a lot of things we can do with that level of power, but just to stop at a Dang. point where people can, can't defend themselves and there's nothing they can do, um, whether they did it or not, um, and they just can't move forward. Um, which for me is kind of like one of the scariest things because, and I don't want to speak ill of the Me Too movement because there's so many creepy guys who've been taken down. Um, as even in recent cases where you can have someone, especially if it's a man of color, you can kind of point out like, hey, he did something. Or even thinking back to, I guess, back in time of grim crow laws through slavery periods of lynchings where you kind of have the same stance of cultural culture, cancel culture with a, this person did it, go get him. No time for defense, facts, evidence, whatever. And so even cases where cancel culture gets it right, as, as a black guy, the ability to take someone down without due process is terrifying. Um, I think we can, I think we still have slander laws, right? That's where like, if you like say, hey, this person did this, um, without any facts, you can get sued or jailed for slandering them. But if you have half a million faceless bodies on Twitter as a monolith saying the same thing, there's no specific body that you can sue for destroying your name, whether or not they're accurate. It's like on one hand, a lot of good can come. And I'm thinking of like Harvey Weinstein, R. Kelly, Cosby, where we were able to kind of take the Dexter approach and do what the legal system couldn't, so the powers that be had more grounding and more motivation to push investigations take versus that. other things where you might say, this person says that this guy grabbed her butt in eighth grade 50 years ago. Now this man's losing his job, or at least has like a ton of bad publicity when he's trying to do stuff um, without evidence. And like, I don't know, I'm just very egalitarian, innocent before proven guilty kind of guy no and that's exactly kind of where i was going because if we're kind of going back to what we were talking about like the family system but on a larger level you kind of identify and you're enmeshed with these 
public individuals, their personas, you know, like if you boil it down, what would happen? How would you feel like if a family member said something like that and you had a pretty good relationship with them, you weren't as enmeshed, you had that level of differentiation, you would be like, hey, what you said was wrong because of X, Y, and Z, and it made me uncomfortable. And you'd try and, in some instances, would probably have a conversation with that family member. Or in other instances, you would accept like, hey, this is how they're going to be. And they're problematic. And I still love them, even though they're kind of saying these comments, you know, and so it's that like that delicate balance if you're thinking like on the smaller family scale, you're not most of the time you're not going to blow up and be like, oh, my God, you're canceled. Like, you know, but that here we are kind of doing it to these public individuals, not having the conversation, not being like, hey, what you did is wrong. And it made X number of people feel this way and trying to educate and help them grow from that. And I think that can be dangerous. So I definitely agree, Vaughn. Yeah, I have two thoughts from that. One, I think the anonymity of um, social media and the online world, which Vaughn kind of hinted at earlier, I think that really plays into the difference you're talking about, Sedona, and how you respond to someone you personally know versus someone you just follow online. And then I also think, I would assume that there's some element for some people of wanting to get justice for something in their life through an online person. And what I mean by that is um, it's hard to stand up to someone you're close to sometimes, and it can be hard, even harder to stand up to a family member. I think it's definitely possible that someone who experienced an injustice, they weren't really able to get... um, I don't know, retribution for in their personal life may then, back to the identity piece, feel very strongly attached to a similar injustice that's happening in the public sphere and then really have all that anger and sorrow and hurt built up in them and kind of put it on this public person because there was no outlet in their private life. And I'm not saying that that's everyone and I'm not even saying that that's a horrible thing. I think it's understandable. Um, It may not always be the kindest thing to the public figure, but I think think there's um, a lot of people in the world who are just kind of trapped with their own pain and suffering and aren't able to get um, healing from it with the real people in their life. And, And I think human missteps are kind of the same across the board. I think there's just some basic categories of misconduct that, you know, anyone can commit regardless of, you know, where they live, where their race or sexual gender identity, anything like that. So I think that that reality can really set people up to kind of want to crucify someone they don't know because they haven't been given the space and the safety and the opportunity to hold someone in their personal life accountable. That's just absolutely brilliant. I was going to say, I agree, because 
I recognize that some in within just families in general, there's going to be probably more times than not where you don't have the good relationship or you're not able to confront and kind of get that justification or what is what's the word I'm looking for? The retribution. Maybe is that the right word? I don't know. You're not going to get something comfort from confronting them and it's nothing good is going to come of it. So obviously what I was saying is probably only a few, like a few instances, but I think you're right on the other end of the spectrum. There's what you're saying. So that was wonderful.